everybody. Welcome back to the Weekly Impact Podcast. Today is Tuesday, August 28th, and today we are on 1 Corinthians 7. Uh, as usual, lately, I am joined by Michael Miller and Daniel Yelverton around the table. We haven't done this in a while. Say hello, guys. Hello. This is Daniel. What's up, guys? It's Michael. There you go. Um, so anyway, we will just get right into it. Is there anything that we need to preface before we start <laughs> into this? It is a, it's an interesting, we've had a lot of conversations before now <laughs> yeah. leading up to this. There's a lot of stuff in this chapter and um, yeah. anything? Enjoy. Yeah. <laughs> There's going to be some fun application in this one. Uh, just note that some of the things that Paul's writing here is specifically in context to what the Corinthians are going through in their present situation. So there's wisdom in the things that he's saying, and but we can if we try to take very specific application to our life of just mm-hmm. one verse, we might be taking it out of context. Absolutely. Actually, not even might. You will be taking it yes. out of context. All right. Well, here we go from the Dwell app, uh, 1 Corinthians 7. Now concerning the matters about which you wrote, it is good for a man not to have sexual relations with a woman. But because of the temptation to sexual immorality, each man should have his own wife, and each woman her own husband. The husband should give to his wife her conjugal rights, and likewise the wife to her husband. For the wife does not have authority over her own body, but the husband does. Likewise, the husband does not have authority over his own body, but the wife does. Do not deprive one another, except perhaps by agreement for a limited time, that you may devote yourselves to prayer, but then come together again, so that Satan may not tempt you because of your lack of self-control. Now, as a concession, not a command, I say this. I wish that all were as I myself am, but each has his own gift from God, one of one kind and one of another. To the unmarried and the widows, I say, that it is good for them to remain single as I am. But if they cannot exercise self-control, they should marry. For it is better to marry than to burn with passion. To the married I give this charge, not I, but the Lord. The wife should not separate from her husband, but if she does, she should remain unmarried or else be reconciled to her husband. And the husband should not divorce his wife. To the rest I say, I, not the Lord, that if any brother has a wife who is an unbeliever and she consents to live with him, he should not divorce her. If any woman has a husband who is an unbeliever and he consents to live with her, she should not divorce him. For the unbelieving husband is made holy because of his wife, and the unbelieving wife is made holy because of her husband. Otherwise, your children would be unclean. But as it is, they are holy. But if the unbelieving partner separates, let it be so. In such cases, the brother or sister is not enslaved. God has called you to peace. For how do you know, wife, 
whether you will save your husband. Or how do you know, husband, whether you will save your wife? Only let each person lead the life that the Lord has assigned to him and to which God has called him. This is my rule in all the churches. Was anyone at the time of his call already circumcised? Let him not seek to remove the marks of circumcision. Was anyone at the time of his call uncircumcised? Let him not seek circumcision. For neither circumcision counts for anything nor uncircumcision, but keeping the commandments of God. Each one should remain in the condition in which he was called. Were you a bondservant when called? Do not be concerned about it. But if you can gain your freedom, avail yourself of the opportunity. For he who was called in the Lord as a bondservant is a freed man of the Lord. Likewise, he who was free when called is a bondservant of Christ. You are bought with a price. Do not become bondservants of men. So, brothers, in whatever condition each was called, there let him remain with God. Now concerning the betrothed, I have no command from the Lord, but I give my judgment as one who by the Lord's mercy is trustworthy. I think that in view of the present distress, it is good for a person to remain as he is. Are you bound to a wife? Do not seek to be free. Are you free from a wife? Do not seek a wife. But if you do marry, you have not sinned. And if a betrothed woman marries, she has not sinned. Yet those who marry will have worldly troubles, and I would spare you that. This is what I mean, brothers. The appointed time has grown very short. From now on, let those who have wives live as though they had none, and those who mourn as though they were not mourning, and those who rejoice as though they were not rejoicing, and those who buy as though they had no goods, and those who deal with the world as though they had no dealings with it. For the present form of this world is passing away. I want you to be free from anxieties. The unmarried man is anxious about the things of the Lord, how to please the Lord. But the married man is anxious about worldly things, how to please his wife, and his interests are divided. And the unmarried or betrothed woman is anxious about the things of the Lord, how to be holy in body and spirit. But the married woman is anxious about worldly things, how to please her husband. I say this for your own benefit, not to lay any restraint upon you, but to promote good order and to secure your undivided devotion to the Lord. If anyone thinks that he is not behaving properly toward his betrothed, if his passions are strong, and it has to be 
Let him do as he wishes. Let them marry. It is no sin. But whoever is firmly established in his heart, being under no necessity, but having his desire under control, and has determined this in his heart, to keep her as his betrothed, he will do well. So then he who marries his betrothed does well, and he who refrains from marriage will do even better. A wife is bound to her husband as long as he lives, but if her husband dies, she is free to be married to whom she wishes, only in the Lord. Yet in my judgment, she is happier if she remains as she is. And I think that I too have the Spirit of God. All right, and that's the end of 1 Corinthians 7. As we said, there's a lot of stuff in there. Yep. Um, yeah. So we were discussing this maybe a little bit longer podcast than normal. We're not sure exactly how we're going to handle it yet. If we'll try to address everything, or if we just see if it. Uh, well, there's the one way to find to out. Nice end. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, yeah. So who wants to touch any of that first? <laughs> uh, like I said earlier, before we even went to the reading, is that some of this is definitely contextual to. Um, what's going on with the Corinthian believers, their present situation, the present persecution that they were going through. Uh, But there is wisdom. There's wisdom in some of the things that Paul is saying that is very applicable that to them that is also applicable to us. And, And so I think there's a lot of stuff in this. A lot of it has to do with marriage, mm-hmm. with singleness, with sex, premarital sex, uh, after uh, post-marital post-marital sex, sex post-marital I guess. sex yeah. Like, yeah. yeah I think yeah okay <laughs> so after marriage sex um so uh know that the, some some of this conversation is going to be heading that direction and right. so just be pre-warned I guess um uh, but uh and then also it talks about you know how how to respond to the present situation that you're in when you when Jesus calls you yeah. when you become a believer and what should you do now going forward if you are in a marriage relationship and you become a follower of Christ? What should you do? You know, if you're, uh, this one has, they do go down a level of, uh, of like a bond servant, which would be more of like someone that's in debt. Um, and they are kind of, they're, they're basically working off their debt. We don't really have that kind of application right. per se. Uh, in our culture right now, uh, but uh, and then, and then it talks about you know what to do you know if you're going to get married or waiting to get married or trying to decide you're going to get married, mm-hmm. how should you interact with your betrothed? It's there's a lot. There's a lot just <clears throat> in the chapter, and then if you look at the book, there's there's several chapters that he that but Paul's talking about. Uh, like factions in the church, mm-hmm. and then he gets into he starts. This is not the only chapter about sexuality. Mm-hmm. So the reason why I mentioned that is, as you talk about literary context, I want to talk just a, a smidge about like historical, you know, context and cultural context as well. You know, keep in mind when people and I've said this on probably four podcasts by, by now, but with with the Corinthian people, to say someone was a Corinthian that was like a slur. And back in the day, mm-hmm. like to say someone was Corinthian, like that, that guy's a sinner because there was so much sexual immorality in, in Corinth. 
And uh, so, uh, so these people were prostituting children from not the Christian church, but you know, from pagan houses of worship. There, there was temple prostitution. So th- imagine that in church, and, and like, we, and we talked earlier that, you know, in the Catholic Church, we've had some issues recently with this, right? Mm-hmm. But everybody condemns it. Yeah. Everybody's like, this is bad. Yeah. Priests doing things to children's bad news. But this stuff was was okay. Temple prostitution was holy to these people. I mean, could you imagine the mindset of thinking that, you know, child prostitution is holy? Mm-hmm. So the reason why I mentioned that is that Paul is having to address this stuff starting from scratch, things that you should just know. Like you shouldn't have to tell somebody that child prostitution is bad. You shouldn't have to tell somebody that cheating on your spouse is bad. But due to the fact that these people had no point of reference, Paul's starting from scratch with this stuff. Mm -hmm. So that's something to keep in mind that we're going, you know, basic level stuff with these people because they needed it. All right, so where do we want where do we want to start then? Uh, I, I think one thing that <laughs> we were kind of we'll start on a lighter note. Let's do that. Sure. Uh, so the very beginning of the chapter talks about uh, that uh, men and that a man should have his own wife and a woman should have her uh, own yeah. husband based to, because of sexual temptation, and that a husband is uh, supposed to give his wife her conjugal rights and the wife to her husband. So yes, basically the application is. <laughs> You're supposed to have sex when you're married. So, you know, I'm sure everybody's like, best podcast ever, <laughs> right. yeah. you know, uh, but but it is important that because in some contexts and in, in relationships and even not even just in marriage relationships, but uh, sex can be used as a weapon. Yeah. And and yeah. Paul is really saying like, no, like this is you. You need to give this to your spouse. You know, this is this is a this is a requirement for oneness. And, uh, and he's, he does give kind of like an out for it, but it's only for a short period of time when you're devoting yourself to the Lord. So you're, you're solely focused on the Lord. It's not like every time I come to bed, my wife's like, oh, I just want to pray to the Lord. So that's not going to happen kind of thing. So <laughs> it's, it's looking at the, the power of the unit unifying power of sex and that it is important for a marriage relationship, for a healthy marriage relationship and, and I believe that when we use it as a weapon and we use it as a manipulation tool that we're really undermining our marriage, that we're yeah. really just destroying our marriage at its core. And what its core is supposed to be is unifying on all fronts, not just physically, but emotionally, relationally, uh, even vision for your family. You want to be heading in the right direction because you guys are one. Yeah. And, and so if you do deprive yourself of that or pull away from that, it should only be for a very short time. And I think of the context of this is like, if you're really struggling, like let's say you guys are in a tough place or you guys are arguing and it's just, it's not going to make sense that this is going to, you guys are going to come together in intimacy. Right. Then just like say, all right, we're going to, we're going to like cause a timeout for this. We need to really work through this issue. And then let's, let's reconnect though. Let's break a priority to reconnect because that is so important for the health of the marriage and also for just to keep the temptation away because we know sexual temptation is around. I mean, yeah. the access that we have to sexual temptation is bar none, sure. I would say between any culture now. And, yeah. and so it's not that I'm not excusing best sexual behavior, sure. uh, like illicit sexual behavior or anything like that. But 
I think that you say bad sexual yeah behavior? bad okay. sexual behavior. I'm not I'm not excusing it like saying like oh well, you deprived me of my rights so that's why I went to this you know yeah. what I'm, I'm not saying that at all right but it is really important for us to stay connected physically as married couples yeah yeah uh, so there's wisdom well, in that yeah. Well, one thing I would throw out there, I'll be the woman's advocate for a minute, right? Because we don't have any woman at the table, so I'll, I'll, I'll be the advocate. Daniel's not saying, and Paul's not saying, that spousal rape's okay. Oh, right? man, absolutely not. We're not saying that, like, hey, babe, you got to give it up because the Bible says so. No. Because if you look at this, he, he, what he's saying is that a man should you know, give himself up. A woman should. There, there's, there's consent in there about. They still have a decision, and I know that he goes on and says that you know that 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 her body is his and his body is hers. Mm-hmm. He's only giving a reason why they should. So, so don't think that if she says no, you can do whatever you want because you're you're married. That's still rape, and that's still wrong. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So let's let's be clear mm-hmm. about that one. And I think also, like yeah. saying in that same vein of thought, Michael, I think that it's, it's important to know that it's a gift. To be able to give your body up to somebody else is a gift given, not a gift demanded. You know, And yes. so I think that's the, um, just like when we look at the husband and wife relationship in Ephesians chapter 5, you know, when it says submit to one another out of reverence to Christ. Here's how the husband submits, here are the wives submits. Now, husbands, focus on your area of submission. Yes, yes, Wives, mo- yes. focus on yours. Don't demand it from the other couple. Focus on yours and allow that to draw the other person to you. So mm-hmm. as a husband, uh, you need to focus on your role as giving your body over to your wife, mm-hmm. you know, and just focus on that. Don't demand anything because that has nothing to do with Christ at all. Jesus never demanded relationship. He freely gave so that he would invite us into relationship. And if we're supposed to model Christ's relationship to the church, then nothing about that is about demanding rights. It's really more about giving whatever power and rights that we have away for their leverage and the benefit Indeed. of others. You know, another another thing that's controversial right here at, at verse, uh, I guess it's five, that and you mentioned it about the idea of like, okay, if you have like a prayer fast where you're where you're basically not having sex for a period of time, that to come back together, and then Paul says something weird, right, about like, well. You know, you don't want to be tempted by Satan because you're basically, let's put it in modern day English, right? If you're not having sex for a while, there's that drive and you want to have sex and and there's temptation. Again, this is, again, woman's advocate, right? This is not an excuse for you to cheat on your wife. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Maybe there's something going on and you haven't had sex in however long, months. I don't care. Maybe there's a physical problem. That's not an excuse for you to go have a girlfriend. Right. Yeah. Okay. I know this is hard, real talk. But I'm just saying, just because you're going to be tempted doesn't mean it's okay to follow through with that temptation. Right. And if you do that, that's not her fault. That's your fault. Mm-hmm. You did that, not her. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's your choice. And then and you're responsible for those choices. And I think what's cool is that Paul says about devoting yourselves to prayer in that process. And I think that that is a very good application. If there is a issue, if there is an issue of intimacy in your marriage right now, don't demand pray. Be on your knees yeah. praying for reconciliation with your spouse and and work towards that reconciliation. And in the meantime, and in the waiting period, pray and continue to trust God with that process. Uh, so, yeah, but I mean, it, it's no excuse. There's no excuse in here to sin. And that's, and that's where this can get really... Uh, I was going to say hairy, but that would be really weird. <laughs> this is this is what that's where this can get really uh, difficult. Is that you can see this and you can see what 
your spouse is required of, and you can then think, well, I need to demand that of them, and right. and that there's nothing about demanding in this. It is always in if if marriage is at its core a symbol. It's a symbol of Christ's love for the church. And so that that can always go down to a core question of everything we do when we interact with our spouse. Am I responding in a Christ-like manner? If I am demanding and if I am pushing and if I am overpowering, that is not Christ-like yes. in any form or fashion. Or if I'm seeking it from someone else instead of being devoted to my spouse, that is not Christ-like in any fashion. I got to throw something in here, Daniel. Cause go for it. This is just an application for reading the Bible in general. Mm -hmm. Too often we read scripture about what someone else should do. And then we say what they should do to me and how they should act. And then they, then what we want to do is make them (laughs) deal with the script. Well, the Bible says you have to do this buddy, Mm -hmm. right? Yeah. No, the way we should read scripture is internalizing it. When we read, if you're a man and you're reading the scriptures, you should be looking about what you should do for your wife, mm-hmm. not looking at it, what your wife owes you. Yeah. Right. And if you're the wife, you you should look at these things. Uh, you know, what is Paul saying about my marriage and what I should do for my husband? Not so much what my husband what my husband should do for me. So let's <laughs> we we get caught up on specific sins in the Bible and like that don't really even apply to us. Mm-hmm. Now, I'll throw one out since we're talking about sex, homosexuality, guys. I don't. I don't need to talk about that. I mean, I'm, I don't, I don't have that. And, and I don't need to focus on homosexuality. That's not my problem. Now, gluttony, Mike Miller needs to look at gluttony, right? <laughs> Mike Miller needs to look at materialism. Now, mm-hmm. those are some sins that I should be looking at. Yeah. But why, why would I need to spend my time and spin my wheels on homosexuality when I, that's not, does that make sense? Mm-hmm. Let's look at the Bible and how it applies to you instead of trying to push everything on everybody else. Mm-hmm. When I, when I see this, I see that there are some things I need to work on in my relationship from my end. Not that I need to go teach my wife, go fix yourself or something like that. That's just crazy. Yeah. yeah. And it, I mean, I always go back to uh, Romans too, when it comes to that kind of stuff about judgment, about looking at towards other people, that are that are doing that are in sin, and you judge them even though you struggle with sin in the same right. And it was God's kindness that brought you to repentance. So always look in a way of of interacting with people, showing them the love and kindness of God that can bring them towards a loving relationship with God and surrender and lordship of Christ because of His great love for us, not because there's a guilt factor that goes with it. Right. And, and the same thing will work in a spousal relationship. You know, draw draw your spouse back to you through kindness, not through guilt and shame. Yeah. Hey, Daniel, you you mentioned some stuff that was really it was like spitting hot fire <laughs> about. Uh, you were saying some really good stuff about uh, the unmarried and about. Uh, could you talk talk that for a minute? Because that was good stuff. <laughs> All right. So uh, I think kind of go, scrolling down a little bit when it's talking about the uh, the unmarried, uh, and a lot of it has to do with. Um, sexual purity. I mean, if you're if you're engaged to be married or you're with somebody and you struggle with sexual purity, it's better to be married than it is to continue to burn with the with the lust, with yeah. the passion. Uh, that's not really copacetic with our culture right now. I mean, and and let's just call our culture for what it is. You know, they uh, the culture is, you know, you you test drive it. You test drive it before you buy it. You know, you live with each other to see if you can work with each other before it works out. And that's that's a cultural thing that is not just outside the church. We know that, and that's, you know, that is what it is. But 
there's a lot of not only like some, a lot of times we'll look at the commands that God gives us and we'll think that he's kind of cramping our style and he's inhibiting our freedom. But in this is such a powerful, powerful command to head in this direction of sexual purity. Because one of the things that will happen, it will happen whenever you sin and you see this immediately with Adam and Eve, and, you see, and you'll probably recognize this in your own life, is that shame gets introduced into your situation. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And shame attaches itself to the sin that you've committed. Right? So if you are living together with somebody and you guys are being sexually active and you're not married, what you're doing is you're introducing shame mm. into that. And what is supposed to be unifying and drawing a couple together and supposed to be a, a kind of like renewing marriage vows, right, is you're, you're bringing shame into that. And, and I say this not to condemn you at all, you know, because I don't, I don't come with like a perfect record when it comes to this. I've spent a lot of years away from the Lord, and so I don't have a perfect record to stand on, and nor would I want to try to stand on a perfect record. But I, I can say is that... There is something so powerful about taking shame away from things that God has intended to be amazing, a gift, and to be something so enjoyed. I mean, think about God. God created sex, you know? I mean, like he, he, he built it in a way that it would be amazing and unifying and full of pleasure. And that was the, that was the point. Like, God, think about like, God creating the world, and he was like looking down. He's like, all right, I'm going to make this. I'm going to make, I'm, oh, I don't angels. You're not going to know anything about this, yeah. but... This is this is about to be amazing, you know, and everybody's gonna really like this a lot. But it's going to be best used, and it's going to be what God created to be when it's in marriage. And so, this is why. This is why whenever I talk to somebody, I want to strongly advise them to say, "All right, guys, if you're not gonna marry, stay pure. If you if you're not good at purity, get married, because it's it's you just don't want to bring shame." and guilt into that situation. You're going to constantly create a rift between you, your heavenly father, and your spouse because sin always destroys relationships. It will always do that. And you may think, and and I think if you're struggling with this right now and maybe you want to go this direction and the person you're with doesn't want to go in this direction, you may need to ask yourself a very important question. If this person's not willing to to follow me when, when I'm following, like, I'm trying to follow Jesus, and this right. person is unwilling to do that in this area, and they're they're impressing their will into this situation and saying, "I need this, I'm demanding this." Do you really want that for the rest of your life? Good point. You know, do you want to that? Because that's not. I hate to say that, but until they get to know Jesus, that's going to be a character pattern that they're going to continue. You know, and Jesus is going to like strip that away. And look, I'm not overgeneralizing situations. And I think that this can really strike a tough chord because of our culture and because of the way we view sex, to be perfectly honest. And this may seem really old-fashioned, but guys, there's so much wisdom in this. And so if this is where you're at, if this is if you are unmarried and you're living together and you know you're having sex, you know, really take this to heart. Really to see if this is going to be, you know. And if you come to Elevation and that's your situation, we're going to love you. Right. We are going to, we are going to, we're going to walk with you and we are going to, we are going to be with you because you are our brother and sister in Christ and nothing's going to change that. But as much as we love our brother and sister, we want the best for you. And God wants the best for you. Yeah. God wants the best for you, Daniel. Because look, 
this thing, this stuff is biology. Believe it or not, God created you and he knew how he created you. Mm-hmm. And, and there were some things that he did that were very good that helped marriage and, and, and help us, that sex actually helps our relationship. Like biologically, and I think I might have mentioned this before, but I'll mention it again. Because I, I never can remember the actual drug, whether it's dopamine or I don't know. It's dopamine. Yeah. But basically what happens is when you have sex, you are like addicted to the other person. Mm-hmm. God created that. What God did is gave you uh, chemicals to bond you mm-hmm. when you have sex. But the problem is, is that it has an opposite effect too. Because when you continue, it's very much like diabetes. If you, you had that insulin in your body and the more sugar you have, the less insulin your body's able to produce. And eventually your body stops producing insulin and then you're diabetic. Oh no, we got problems, right? Mm-hmm. Well, the same thing can happen if you go from partner to partner to partner to partner before um, you're married. Well, th- then then your body stops producing that, that drug when you go from partner to partner. Mm-hmm. So you can be married and not have that, I hate to call it an addiction, but not have that addiction to your partner, not to have that natural biology with your partner. Mm-hmm. And uh, what, what we have found in studies is that the more partners that you have before you're married, the more likely you are to get divorced. I mean, it is, it's science. This isn't not like hokey yeah. religion. This, this is no joke, biology and psychology. This is studied. This is research driven and proven. Mm-hmm. The more partners that you have before marriage, the more likely you are to get divorced. It, this is fact. Yeah. This, as the saying goes, it's not practice that makes perfect when it comes to right. sex. You know, it really isn't. And I've heard it said as like a, a piece of tape. You know, a piece of tape has adhesive power, and, yes, and if you yes. put it onto your skin and you and you pull it off, you know it's still going to have some adhesive power. You're going to pull away some residue. If you're going to pull some hair, some skin off my arm, but if then if I attach it to you know to somebody else's arm and I pull it off, and if I attach it to somebody else's and somebody else's and somebody else's, eventually that tape becomes useless. That tape no longer has the adhesive power, and it has a bunch of baggage and residue and things and issues from all of these other. Yeah arms and and so like if this is if if you're coming into a marriage relationship or if you're in a marriage relationship and you've had multiple sexual partners and okay I'm just gonna say it I've had to do this I've had to pray this prayer I've had to I had to ask Jesus to take away the attachments that I've had with other people and I've had him to and I've, I've done a prayer where I've just been like Jesus I ask for forgiveness and I ask you to sever this relationship that I've had with other people because I want to be completely one and completely whole with my wife and I want to do exactly what you intended it uh, for sex to be right. when it comes to marriage and that's the beauty of it is that Jesus makes things new you know it's not so far gone and it's not like okay well I've already messed up so I'm already done like Jesus can make things new Absolutely. and Jesus can restore the the power and the adhesive power of uh, sex and how it can just draw you closer together as a couple, you know, but just know that you're bringing stuff in to a relationship. You're bringing baggage into a relationship and you got to deal with it. You need to deal with it on a personal level or it's just going to hinder your relationship. It's going to hinder your closeness and intimacy that you can have with your spouse by what you're bringing into your relationship. Hey, Brent, so... Since I, since we've kept poor Brent quiet in the corner over here, we beat him up. I, I just, I'm just listening. Well, I just, I, I don't want to hear from you. I want to hear a thought, like, because where this thing goes now is we talk about spouses that that come into a relationship. You have one that's a believer, one that's not a believer. You have the whole unequally yoked thing. 
mean, what what is your take on this whole thing with with what Paul says and this whole this mess? Well, we'll let Brent deal with the mess. You know, <laughs> yeah, have, thanks. Have yeah, fun right. with that one. <laughs> no, um, I would say in my own relationship, my wife and I, when we first came together, we were people who grew up in church, but who both basically at the same time decided we're done with this stuff. Yeah. Um, I've told this story many times. I actually just told it in a meeting yesterday, but uh, we we had a uh, an experience at a christening for my nephews, twin boys, and the christening was beautiful, but then the entire sermon was about give us your money and miracles will happen for you. Yeah. If you don't give us your money, miracles won't happen for you. So we just both were like, that was that was the straw that broke the camel's back for both of us. So for and that was right when we first got together. So for you know almost a decade when we were together, um, we were not believers together, but by the grace of God, we both felt that call at the same time and came back to Christ together. We've experienced this journey together. Mm-hmm. So I can't speak out of it from personal experience, but I can speak out of it for someone that I know very well who is in a relationship with someone, married to someone who isn't a believer and they are a believer. And um, I know that it's it's a struggle for them. Mm-hmm. I, you know, it's something that... Um, they pray every day. We pray every day that this person will choose to become a believer because it just, it, it's almost like they have to straddle a fence every day. They yeah. have to have one foot in, one foot out. Yep. Um, and you know, they're raising their kids to believe in Christ, but then there's also a part of that dynamic where there's a reality in their life that someone doesn't believe in Christ that lives in the home with them. And, mm-hmm. and it can just create a, uh, a, a massive, you know, Massive rift, I guess you could say. Even if it's not a rift within your marriage, it's a rift within yourself that is, um, you know, it's painful to deal with, and it's a struggle every day. Emotionally, it, it's difficult because you just want your whole family to to believe this way and to live in this way, and it's just not that. That's not your reality yet. So, um, I thought it was actually, you know, a lot of this stuff I hadn't really heard in depth before when we were going into Corinthians. Um, and I just, by chance, by something somebody said to me recently, I listened to all of First and Second Corinthians like two weeks ago and soaked a lot of this stuff in. Yeah. So it's pretty cool to be in it now and having this this conversation again. Yeah. But to see how, you know, it talks about how if you have children in this marriage that they are holy, mm-hmm. that they aren't born out of holiness because one of the parents isn't a believer. That yeah. kind of stuff was actually really soothing to me to hear mm-hmm. because I wasn't sure where all of that stood. Yeah. And I think that um, when you're looking at that, that holiness is is a term that kind of means set apart. And um, mm-hmm. I, I think that when to live as you're called, which is kind of that section right there, um, I guess, well, I guess it's right before that, like verse 12 all the way down. Um, and the unequally yoked kind of concept is, I think, more about when, before you go into a marriage relationship, you need to really consider what that's what is happening there because... Uh, when you make a lifelong commitment to someone that doesn't have the same life values as you do, mm. there's just going to be conflict. There's just practical wisdom in the fact that, and I get it that we can say like, I love this person. I'm supposed to be with this person. But if they if they don't follow Jesus with all of their heart, then you're going to have conflict about children. You're going to have conflict about money. You're going to have conflict about uh, life goals. You're going to have conflict about retirement. You're going to have conflict about so many different yeah. huge pieces because what Jesus is calling us to do is going to be different than what the world is calling people to do. And yeah. 
But I think that what also Paul is saying here is that if you are in a marriage relationship and you come to know Jesus, this is not your opportunity to jump ship because your your spouse is not a believer. If anything, that's when you dig in and you say, I'm going to commit to this person and hopefully be an example to them that will draw them to Jesus. So my parents, for example, my mom came to know Jesus when she was like in her early 30s. And she, she, and they weren't believers at all. And then, um, my dad didn't come to know Jesus until he was 40. Mm-hmm. And so there was a time and a period where my mom was with that, my dad, who, and he wasn't a believer and he wasn't living at all like Christ, but she was doing everything she could to model and to live out what it meant, what it was like to be a follower of Jesus. And that brought my dad. And then now I, there's a legacy impact because right. of that. And so that's awesome. And I'm so thankful for that. And so yeah. I think what he's saying here is when it comes to your, uh, like like these big relationships, like marriage relationships, if you're married and you have come to know Jesus and your spouse doesn't know Jesus, like, man, like love them, pray for them, stick with them. If they are willing to stick with you, he says, stick with them because you might introduce Jesus to them. Yeah. And there's a, you know, I can testify that that has great ramifications for families down the road because now I believe in Jesus and now my family's being raised in a way that believes in Jesus because of that, you know, that my mom sticking with my dad, even though he wasn't a believer and she was a believer. And so I think it's it's very important for us to know that this is not, this is a little bit different from the unequally yoked because the unequally yoked is maybe a choice before you get right. into a relationship. Yeah. You know, make a make a wise decision when it comes to that. Make a decision because you know that you're going to be in different stages of life and you're going to have different things that you're going to focus on. But if you're in a relationship, currently in a relationship with somebody and you have and you believe and your spouse doesn't believe, stick the, the command from work. Paul here is make it work. Stick with them and do everything you can to show them Christ. Yeah. Yeah. The, the um. There's this guy, Dr. John Van Epp. He writes this book with a crazy title. I can't remember exactly. It's something like How Not to Fall in Love with a Jerk or something like that. But um, <laughs> Nice title. Yeah. <laughs> but, you know, it's real. And, and, he, and he brings out this relation attachment model that he brings out a really good point. He says that so this is good thought for singles, that you should know your partner first before you have a trust picture and, like, before you have, like, a... a what you think about them, mm-hmm. and then you should have a good trust picture. Like you should have a good thought of, of of their character before you rely on them, and then after reliance comes commitment, and after commitment comes touch. Mm-hmm. So if we're if you're a single and you're hearing this, and as Daniel talked about getting to know, um, you know, getting if you're single, getting to know your spouse or getting to know your your boyfriend girlfriend or whatever, moving that direction. Yeah, that is so important because you can't really move on to anything until you really get to know your partner. And, and and if you are a Christian, that should saturate your entire life. Yeah. And if you're, and if you're hooking up with someone who's not a Christian, you might have a problem. Like your life is heading in one direction. Their life is heading in a different direction. Obviously I would suggest, and Paul suggests, don't do that. Mm-hmm. Right. And, and I think there's a, also a really good kind of rule of thumb when it comes to, um, intimacy, levels of intimacy. Yeah. And I think you can really muddy the waters when you bring sexual intimacy into a marriage, into a relationship that's not marriage. So like mm-hmm. you're dating somebody and you're having sex, you are ramping up your intimacy so high of physical intimacy. So you are basically, you are being one with that person in a physical way and God created it in a way that they would be one. 
but the commitment level is not the same as a marriage commitment yes. level, right? Yes. And so think of think of commitment levels as bars on a graph. And you should always be whatever 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 relationship is emotionally, physically, you should stay at the same level of of where you're supposed to be Absolutely. Uh, uh, in your relationship. If you're dating, keep it at a at a dating level when it comes to all of the have the you bars read on this book? No, is this because the one you're this... talking about? I looked it up. It's uh, by Dr. <laughs> John Van Epp. Yes. It's uh, how to avoid marrying a jerk. Sure, yeah, because that. You, when you talk about the bar levels, like I teach a seminar that that touches this, yeah. And this, you should, you should. This is like copyrighted. We better be careful, no, because because <laughs> what you're talking about with the bar levels of commitment, that that is, he brings a chart. Oh, they call yeah. it a relationship attachment model, and then there's this thing that's that with commitment is one of his bars, and he talks about the levels. So like, yeah. You are right on. Daniel's on a doctor, and he didn't even know it. He didn't even know. <laughs> wrote books too. Um, well, I, can I say one thing on that yeah, too, real quick? Sure, that no, goes you, right you along can. with that. Is um, <laughs> you're the, not allowed um, to talk. This is the Michael and yeah, Daniel don't show. You know this. <laughs> one thing that really stuck out to me when you were talking about that, the bars and having that level is like, if you're not married, uh, the intimacy, like you said, is extremely high. Mm-hmm. But then there is a level of. I don't want to say comfortability, but there's a level of like absolute trust when you marry someone. Mm-hmm. So your trust matches that level of intimacy. Mm-hmm. And if you're doing this beforehand, your intimacy is so super high and your level of trust is low. What does that introduce? Insecurity, mm-hmm. fear, you know, clinging yeah. on to things and, mm-hmm. and it, it warps your judgment, warps your sensibilities about things in that in that space. So that yeah. was just something that stuck out to me. I was like, man, I never thought you're, about it that I mean, way before. It's a, it, it, you're absolutely right. And it says that, uh, in Genesis chapter two, that the, a man and a man shall leave his mother and his uh, father and cleave to his wife and the two shall become one flesh. And it says right, right after that, it says that and the man and the woman were in the garden and they were naked and they felt no shame. And we can think of that as just physically naked and no shame. But you think about like, they were, you could also take that in the marriage relationship as not wow. only physical, but emotionally naked, wow. mm-hmm. relationally yeah. naked. And they felt no shame because the level of trust and the level of intimacy was, uh, it was all at the same level. Yeah. And that, and he and, is a PhD, and <laughs> if, this guy. but if you get, if you get those out of balance, you're going to, you're going to make bad choices and come on, like we all have made that choice where we have ramped the bar up too far on one of these things and we've been so blinded by someone's you know character defects or something like that because mm-hmm. the in- the intimacy level was so high mm-hmm. or our insecurity level was so high but then we felt like we didn't there was this, this was the only way that we could feel love was because if the intimacy level was really high mm-hmm. and all of those things are basically they're they're creating these patterns in us and they're rewiring our mind it's amazing the power that sexual intimacy has and this is not just like Physical sexual intimacy, mm-hmm. pornography has the same power, yes. and it rewires our mind in how we think and how we attach. Yes. And uh, because, like you said, Michael earlier, the dopamine, the dopamine is something that is creating neural pathways constantly in our mind. Mm-hmm. And these pathways, if we keep going down them, will become more than just pathways. They'll become roads, and they'll become highways, Concrete, and they'll become yeah. permanently attached. And uh, and. It, it may get to a place where you can't even attach to somebody, you know, emotionally or relationally or fit without because because the physical intimacy has just been so destroyed. Now, I, I've heard a story um, from another marriage enrichment thing that I've, I've been with uh, called Last Your Way to a Better Marriage, where 
uh, Pastor Mark Gunger talks about how he had a friend, a pastor friend, that had been so involved with pornography in his life that he could not have sex with his wife without having pornography present. Wow. Meaning that wow. he was so addicted that, that he that he couldn't get turned on, so to speak, mm-hmm. by his own wife. Imagine how that made her feel. Mm. So, yes, this sexual stuff, there's, you know what? It's almost like God knows what he's talking about. <laughs> huh. like, it, like God knows our huh. bodies. And, when you know, when the Bible <laughs> says, you know, this isn't good for you, it's, it's not just because God's some tyrant up there like Zeus with a lightning bolt being like, I want to punish these guys. Ha, 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 no sex before marriage. Yeah. No, he knows that what's good for you. He created it. I mean, yes. like, if he made it to be awesome, then wouldn't he want us to experience all the awesomeness that has to go with it? Mm-hmm. You know? Agreed. Yeah. <laughs> now what I don't know what to do, Brent, is uh, <laughs> now we're at this point where we've, we've being guys, we've talked sex to death. We've done a good job sure. with that. Mm-hmm. But now we have, you know, more to talk about living as you were called. We have more to talk about with slavery and, and if it's not slavery and bondage and, and the married and, and widowed, what do we want to do? I think it would be good to talk about uh, the season seasons when it comes to relationships because I think there's an emphasis in the church about married couples having higher kind of holiness than singles. And singles get a bad rap. I, I, le- yeah. I led a singles ministry at a, the church that I was at in Raleigh, and uh, it was always like people were always trying to constantly get singles to be married. And Paul is saying that Neither is like like singles are not subcategory persons, you know that they in in our culture doesn't do a very good job of, of 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 encouraging that they they just kind of plague on this kind of insecurity and this loneliness that can come with singleness, man. But singleness is a gift. Mm-hmm. It says Paul literally says that singleness is a gift and marriage is a gift. Mm-hmm. And when he's kind of going back and forth between what you should do in your present situation, uh, he's saying for those that are that are single to remain single, those who are married to remain married. Now. Yes. Context. That's what Corin- Corinthians yes. church, their their church is being persecuted, meaning they're being like killed. Families are being thrown in jails. Like this is like arena stuff taking place where families are being fed to lions and things like that. So it's it, if you attach yourself, if you find if you make a if you start a family knowing that this family could be torn apart or that you could watch your wife and your kids be murdered in an arena. That is going to be an awful awful hardship to face, yes. right? Mm-hmm. And so. Yes, I see why Paul is saying, hey, because of these present struggles, it's probably a good thing that you're not getting married right now. Now, we have, I think, me and Michael, we yeah. talked about this earlier. We There's some application to that in our culture. Not so much persecution, but there has to be a wisdom in the season that you're in of, of like, if you're getting married or not. So, Michael, what, what were some of the things that we talked about? Well, with that? like, all right, so when you're, we all have these, you know, first world problems. Yeah. <laughs> right? <laughs> You know, you're young. This you're bottled to... water is too hot. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so we we got all these issues of like, okay, I'm going to school. I've got a new job. I'm trying to figure out a house and the economy's not doing what I want it to do or whatever, you know, and, and life for you as an 18 year old is a mess. Um, the question is, do you want to, do you want to be, get married during the middle of this mess? Mm-hmm. And, and I can see that the answer going both ways, but I mean, looking at this, this wisdom from Paul, you know, if these guys are going through difficult stuff, right? And Paul's like, hey guys, it is a gift for you to not get married right now, for you to be single. Maybe you don't want to, like you were saying, maybe you don't want to bring all that mess into the mess that you already have. Mm-hmm. Maybe it's time to wait for this stuff to pass by. 
But <laughs> if you get to a point where like, you know what, but I love this girl or I love this guy and they're the right one for me, right? So maybe it's a matter of not going and looking for love. <laughs> it sounds like a country song. I know it is. But, uh, you know, on, maybe... maybe yeah. oh, <laughs> go ahead, Brent. He's <laughs> Johnny Lee or something. Like that. <laughs> In all the wrong places. Yeah. Uh, but uh, Urban cowboy. But we, but you know what I'm saying? Like, we, we shouldn't be looking for love when, when we don't need to be. No. Uh, you know, get get through some of the difficult parts of your life and make wise choices. And I think that, that kind of echoes what Paul is saying here. Yeah. And, and not to covet another season. Like, I think it's easy to miss what you're presently going oh, yeah. through by coveting another season, by saying, like, man, if I'm only married, then I'll be happy. And and when I, I think about when I was single and I was going to church, I was leading three different types of ministries. I was leading a singles ministry. I was leading a men's group and I was heavily involved in the kids ministry. And I had the ability to do that because and work full time because I had the ability to do that because. I was single and I had the ability and access to my time. And then because he's a beast. (laughs) (laughs) Well, no. And then, you know, and then me and Lainey got married and now we have kids and we've had to scale back. We have to scale back because that means we have to take care of our family. And that's, that's like our first ministry. And so there's going to be different challenges when it comes to whatever season you're in right now. So don't feel like if you're single right now, don't feel like you're a subclass citizen or like, you know, subpar Christian, or you're just not sanctified enough. You're not a, you know, you need to follow God a little bit more and then you'll finally, he'll bring the person to you. I mean, we say all these awful things to single people. Can we stop doing that? Yeah. I mean, it's, it's not, it's, it's, we need to like encourage people in the season they're in right now to just follow Jesus and to like, because I mean, there was a time when I was single, I took it, I had to take a year completely fasting from any type of like dating relationship, you know, and I was kind of the person that was always in, in, in a relationship. I felt like that need for it and I, and I fasted from it. But, and in that time I see God, God created like this awesome, like foundation of love and trust that I had in him in the process. And yeah, it was hard, but I needed to take that. So I wasn't ready. Like that was that, this is me applying what Paul says that, that I would not, you know, it's because of your present struggle, which means I had a lot of spiritual stuff that I yes. had to deal with my present Present struggle. It was good for me not to marry because then I didn't bring a ton of that garbage, you know, and it was great. And that was like a present struggle that I had. And I was like, man, I was able to deal with that. And then I was able to then fully be, you know, Laney's and, and fully walk in that. And and so I think that there, like I said, there's wisdom in this. This isn't like just take a scripture and then make this your right, mantra, right. you know, this is, let's see what Paul is saying here when it comes to it. But I do agree, man, we need to like we need to love and encourage our single believers, man, and not like, not have to play matchmaker, not think that like, oh, yeah. because, you know, and not play on their loneliness. I mean, man, that is not like drawing them to Jesus at all. If anything, that's making, it's, it's making you idolize marriage mm-hmm. and that's going to cause problems down the Great road point. because you're going to be hoping that that person's going to fulfill you. And that's never a good thing because you're going to crush your spouse over the weight of that expectation. And, and another thing with that, Daniel, is, is, man, <laughs> children would do the same thing with, with couples that don't have kids. Yeah. We have, you know, having kids is not, shouldn't just be an expectation. Mm-hmm. And we make it an expectation. When are you going to have kids? When are you going to have kids? When Stop it. <laughs> having kids is a decision. Mm-hmm. I mean, all of us that have kids know how much of a responsibility it is. Shouldn't that something that that changes every single aspect of your life? I don't know. Shouldn't it be a decision instead of just an expectation? Yeah, and not be a pressure. Yeah, and yeah. also 
you don't know their situation. Like, and that can be such an insensitive comment to somebody that is really struggling with, um, getting pregnant. And, you know, it's, that's a real deal and that's a real struggle. And, and so I think it's, I don't know, sometimes we can assume that the season that we're in right now is the best season. And to place that on somebody else is basically to point them away from God and to have them covet and envy a different season. And man, yes. that, that does nothing for them except bring them to despair. And we just need to stop that. Yeah. I have a friend who's in that situation that, that she's in her thirties and she can't, and she, and, and she doesn't want to come. She's from Blanchester and she doesn't want to even come to this church because I've invited her. She doesn't want to come to Blanchester. She doesn't want to go like to see my kids play soccer or whatever because she knows that people are going to ask her that question. Mm. So she would rather avoid the entire town and avoid people that, that she that she knew and loved as a kid because she doesn't want because it hurts her every time someone says, Hey, how are you doing? Are 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 you married? Do you have kids? How many kids do you have? What grade are they? No, I don't have kids. I can't have kids. Mm-hmm. Like that's devastating for people, and we just say it without even thinking. I know. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, and you know, my uh, Nicole and I, my wife and I, we've been together for twenty years Woo-hoo! this year. But congratulations! <laughs> yeah. oh, but we've only been married for, I believe, thirteen of that. Um, so yes, we did live in sin. We lived together, and we did all this stuff before when we weren't believers. Um, but I will say, man, because we were together for seven years before we got married, man, there was every day it seemed like pressure when are you guys gonna get married when are you gonna get married you yeah. guys gotta get married when are you gonna get married but then as soon as we got married like at the wedding okay when are you guys having kids when are you having kids you gotta have kids you have great kids when are you having kids and it's like can you just stop yeah can you yeah. please just stop doing that like and we didn't even have trouble with anything like that and but it's still it's just that pressure and it's it's a way that it just makes you look at things that you don't if you're not ready to look at them yet mm-hmm. you don't need to be looking at them or thinking about them or dealing with them or feeling like you should step into something that you're not even feeling like you should step into yet and luckily we both had perspective on that where we were like well we'll do it when we're ready to do it mm-hmm. but i think there are a lot of people who don't and they just fold into that pressure and then they get into something that they're not really ready for yet. And then it becomes much more of a struggle of something that is already a struggle when you are ready for it. Yeah. Right. You know, well, well, I think we went long today. Uh, we we did for sure. Yeah. About (laughs) 10 minutes ago, we went past the regular. Before we go, can I just throw one more thought out there? Because it's covered in here. It's a podcast, bro. We can go for three days if we want. uh, (laughs) (laughs) And and, and Brent, Brent gets to just edit everything out. No, uh, no, listen, People use this chapter to to not now, but they did to justify slavery. So I want to hit that very quick and just say something, okay? A bond servant is when you owe someone a debt and you work for them to pay off the debt. Sometimes, yes, you may you they may have had to pay off a debt from the generation before. So sometimes you were born into it. But the applica- the application here is more don't get yourself to that point of debt if you can right because it says don't get yourself into being a bond servant well duh right mm-hmm. <laughs> but 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 we can apply that to debt today and the second thing is is that like if you if you are a bond servant it basically seek freedom but he kind of kind of goes back and forth you know basically i think what he's trying to say is pay off your debts yeah, yeah. and then seek freedom mm-hmm. so we have to be very careful when we read scripture 
to not just do like what Daniel says, to just take a little sentence and apply it. Because people can take this thing that basically Paul's point is, you know, don't get yourself over head over heels in debt and pay off your debts. And when you pay off your debts, you're free of it, right? Mm-hmm. That's the point. And people use that to justify going to Africa and bringing people over and having slaves and said, see, they shouldn't try to be, you know, what? Yeah, I know. <laughs> so we need to be very careful with how we read scripture. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So I just wanted Get to throw that picture. out there because that's that's a controversial thing that's in this chapter. I want to throw that out there. I know we're talking about all kinds of other controversial <laughs> stuff, right? <laughs> but I wanted to throw that out there. And, and I think if we could kind of like summarize all of this, because this was a lot of content. Yeah, and a yeah, lot of yeah. We went a lot of different ways. But I think that, that God is calling us to be Christ-like in all of our relationships, yes. in all of our interactions with people. So if you're married... You know, treat your spouse like as in a Christ-like manner, which means yes, like you need to be unified, which means you need to prioritize what it would look like to be unified physically through sex. Mm-hmm. You know, right. but you need to also understand the present situation, and that if this if that's not possible, or if there's a relational breakdown, then you go to the Lord in prayer and you ask for His favor in it, and you ask Him to work in that situation. Yeah. But it's never about forcing, because that's not the way Christ would do it. Yeah. Well, being being putting a priority on being connected emotionally mm-hmm. makes it much easier for the physical connection to happen. Yeah. yeah. I, I, that's just, you know, something that popped up to me. I yeah, felt like I should the, say it to clarify bars. at that moment. Yeah. Yeah. And you guys are saying so much that's in this book. So, so like, I feel like the advertisement, download the dwell app <laughs> and buy Dr. John Van Epp's books, you know, because <laughs> this stuff is, this stuff is covered in some of his books. Yeah. But, and, and then, you know, whatever your present season is, serve the Lord. You know, trust the Lord in the process. Trust the Lord. If, if you're single right now, don't feel like you need to be pressured to be married because God may yes. have a, a time in this in this season to, for you to do something or to learn something that you can learn when you're single in preparation for marriage. Or maybe this is a time when you need to go to school and finish your schooling or commit to that or commit to serving in the, you know, in the in the army, in the armed forces, you know, and you need to commit to that because it's, it's hard. I know it. I know. I don't know it, but when you're deployed, it is not easy to be in a family. Um, but uh, I just know from just talking to brothers and sisters of mine, and, you know. So there's 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 wisdom in in waiting for you know for that season to come and waiting as God prepares you for that season. But yeah, and all of this, I think, really the way we could kind of summarize this is, is that always look to be Christ in in your relationships, in the way you interact with your people nice. that you're dating with. You know, the people the people that you're talking to in your church community that are married, mm-hmm. that don't have kids, that are single, that are married with kids. You know, I mean, it's not about putting pressure on different seasons or elevating one season above the other or one relational status over the other. We are all brothers and sisters in Christ, and we can point each other to Jesus by the way we encourage each other and by the way we pour into and love each other. And, and so I think that really that's what Paul is trying to get at here, and he's giving specific application and things that we can really draw from but I think you'll always you'll always do well when you do your best to imitate Jesus in every relationship you're in. Boom. Amen. It was great. <laughs> uh, do one of you guys want to pray us out today if we're going to wrap up with that? There's a lot of content you know, that we Brent, didn't even get to today. Yeah. Since Daniel and I just kept you in the corner, I think you should pray us we out. We used too many words. We did. <laughs> <laughs> too many, huh? Yeah. <laughs> All right. Um Father, we just come to you today um, thankful for these conversations, asking you as we go forward to continually guide our conversations, guide our words, um, to be saying the things that you would want said to the people that are listening to this so that they can grow to know who you are, God. Um, 
we ask that this to be uh, a healthy a healthy thing for people. We hope that uh, what what we spoke about today is something that can help them to grow in understanding themselves, um, but also if they are in marriage or in parenthood, um, that they can understand more of who they should be called to be um, by you in those relationships. Um, Father, we just continue to thank you for your guidance in all things. Continue to turn our eyes to you and to continue to set our hearts to where your heart is, God, so that in all relationships and in all interactions, at the forefront, we are trying to be who you have called us to be. Um, And we trust in you that things will work out for the best if we do that. So God, we thank you and we lift you up. And in your name we pray and say, amen. Amen. Thank you. All right, you guys. Um, thank you, Michael. Thank you, Daniel, for joining me for yet another. Thank you for another... hanging, hanging with us in the long podcast, guys. <laughs> Appreciate it. Yeah, no doubt. Um, but that's the beauty. Sometimes uh, if we feel called to go into a longer conversation, we have the freedom to do that. And it's up to you, the listener, if you want to stick with us or not. <laughs> so um, hopefully you stuck with us this far and you're listening to these words right now. But um, we just love you guys. And we are very happy and blessed and honored to be doing this as a resource to those yeah. of you who are listening to us. Um, so know that we are with you. We are praying for you. And um, we will just talk to you next week. Have a good week between now and then, guys. We'll talk to you later. <laughs>